Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Sunday morning service on this glorious uh, spring morning. And particularly if you haven't uh, joined us before online, it's uh, great to have you with us, and hopefully we'll be able to get to know you in person very soon. You'll have heard this uh, week, the Prime Minister setting out his roadmap to reclaiming our lives. Um, as Christians, of course, we have a far more important roadmap to reclaiming lives, and that's God's plan of salvation that was set out in Genesis and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. A roadmap not just to physical freedom, but to spiritual freedom. And it's because of that spiritual freedom that we have in Jesus that we can worship him this morning in our hearts. We would love to be able to join together to do that physically, and we look forward to doing that very soon, and we'll be letting you know this week plans to do, to do that. Plus, we come to worship God now. Uh, let me read from Psalm 96, which is a call to worship, a call to proclaim God's salvation and to declare his glory. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. 
When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Well, good morning. It's great to, to be with you, even virtually, this morning as we come to this passage together. Uh, let's take a moment just to pray as we would uh, fix our eyes on Christ and apply these words to our lives. And Father God, we do pray that you would help us to push away any distraction, to empty any sin from our hearts, that you would fill our hearts with your love and your glory that would overflow into the lives of others. And Father, we pray that you would help us to to hear your word this morning as you speak to us, as we meet with you. May we come away transformed by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Aren't there just some things that make your face glow? Things which make you smile as you enjoy the small things of life. And sometimes it can really be the simplest of things, maybe like, like going a walk in the countryside and taking in the wonderful scenery, or maybe at the end of the day where you're able to see the sunset and the gorgeous sight that is. Perhaps it's even just having a, a home-cooked meal as it's laid down in front of you and you delight as your face shines to really just devour what's in front of you. Maybe that's just me. Um, and then there's, there's also... Perhaps one of the most obvious things is when, is when someone meets someone. You don't really need to ask them why they're smiling, because you know they are in love, and their face just beams with joy, because their heart is overflowing with love. It's a reality that sometimes can be difficult to put into words, as we just radiate with joy. And in a sense, that's kind of what happens with Moses as he speaks with the Lord, as Moses asks the Lord to show him his glory. Because when Moses meets with God, God's glory just shines out of him. It shines out of his face as his face radiates with the glory of the Lord after having spoken with him. And in a sense, that's also true of us today, really, because as we meet with God, we experience something of his glory. And we'll see that this morning as we see, as we see God's glory in, in three ways, namely his, his presence with us, his mercy towards us, and his transformation of us. 
And so firstly, we'll see God's glory in his presence with us. The presence of the Lord is a really big theme in the book of Exodus. We've seen that recently in the story of Exodus where God promises to dwell with his people through the tabernacle. And then how just quickly they just turn from the Lord in making the golden calf. However, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, the the Lord is gracious. He renews his covenant with his people through the mediator Moses. And in amongst the golden calf incident and the renewal of the covenant is the event where God meets with Moses, where Moses sees the glory of the Lord. And so we see at the start of this passage that Moses meets with God in a tent. Now, this tent is not the tabernacle. It's not the same thing. He calls it the tent of the meeting. And the tent which Moses pitches is outside the camp, not in amongst them as the tabernacle was. And so it's away from the people because the people stayed at a distance at the entrances to their own tents as they watched Moses enter the tent to speak with God. And this is because the people are really very aware of their own sin and that God is immensely holy. And so Moses steps in the gap. He steps in the gap for his people. He mediates between a holy God and an unholy people. And as we look at verse 11, we see what Moses does as the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now on first read, we compare this to later in the passage in verse 20 where it says, well, no one can see the Lord and live. So it looks like from first reading there is a contradiction. However, we're really not to understand this literally, but more of a, more of a metaphor, like friendship with God. Added to that, God doesn't have a face. He doesn't have a hand or a back either, as it speaks about that later in the chapter. God is spirit. He doesn't have a body, and he doesn't have body parts either. Now, the Lord uses simple language. He comes down to our level to talk about really a massive divine reality. It's really the idea of Moses speaking with the Lord as one would speak with a friend. And I think that's important to note that we, in this passage, we're not Moses. When we read this passage, we can't see ourselves as Moses. But we do have a mediator like Moses, Jesus. A better mediator, because he is the one that mediates between us and our God. He is also our friend. As James Hughes mentioned just in the past week there in the Gentle and Lowly series, just mentioned so well about how Jesus is our friend. He's a friend of sinners. And he delights to draw close to us, even when we feel, even when we feel at our worst, even when we feel that no one could love us. Jesus loves us. That he draws close to us, even when we feel like no one could. He draws close to us. And that is the 
the wonderful experience that Moses has here, that he experiences intimate friendship with the Lord. And so the the Lord promises to go with Moses. However, he will not go with the people. And because of their sin, the Lord refuses to go with them to the promised land. And this, well, this just leaves them distressed and heartbroken. And yet because the Lord shows favor to Moses and delights in him, Moses intercedes to God on their behalf, as it says later in the passage in verse 15 and 16. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Because Moses loves his people, he pleads with the Lord that they would be able to be presented with him, that he would come with them into the promised land, and that it wouldn't just be Moses that would have God's presence. And the Lord responds to Moses' cry, saying that he will do the very thing that Moses has asked because of the favor that he has shown to him, because of God's grace towards Moses. And because of this, he will hear his prayer and grant his request on behalf of his people. And for us as God's people today, our mediator isn't Moses. Our mediator is Jesus Christ. And on the cross, Jesus sacrificed that friendship and intimacy with the Lord as he turned his face away from him. He turned his face from him on the cross that he would take our punishment for our sin on the cross. Because Jesus took our punishment that we would receive his privileges. He took our punishment that we would receive his privileges. Jesus took our blame that we would enter into the heavenly Father's presence and be able to know God as our friend. And Moses realizes, he realizes that it would be a disaster for the people to go to the promised land without the Lord. And so he intercedes for them. And the people as well, the Israelites, they are heartbroken and distressed over the fact that they might, they might get the land, but they won't get God. They might get the prize, but God won't go with them. And what about us this morning as we think about God's presence? If you could gain everything in the world, but not have Christ, if you could gain heaven, but not have Jesus Christ, would you be happy? Perhaps it's the challenge we might face, especially especially when trials or temptations come into our lives, when we experience trials or huge blessings, because both are testing through trials and temptations. Is Christ enough when when we face pain, when we're going through personal pain, illness, bereavement, maybe some relationship breakup, struggles in another relationship, in family, in friends, at work, or maybe even maybe a child who is walking away from the Lord. Is Christ enough for us in those moments? 
maybe in terms of temptation, is Christ enough when we experience huge blessings, when we get a big bonus at work, when we get a promotion, when we have another child, or maybe when we cash in our pension pot? Is Christ enough in those moments that it wouldn't just be the gifts that we would love, but we would love the giver? As St. Augustine says, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. And that's really a test for our hearts, isn't it? Do we love Christ above everything? And with man, that is simply impossible. But with God, everything is possible as he works in our hearts. As God's Spirit works in His heart, in our hearts, as He displays His mercy towards us. And that's how we see God's glory as He displays that mercy, His mercy towards us. As we look at verse 18, we see that Moses makes a bold request. Now show me your glory. Boom. He wants to see the Lord's glory. I wonder, how would you respond to that? What would you expect to happen when Moses asked that question? Well, I suppose we can look as we look at the verse 19 to 23. Verse 19 to 23, which says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Rather than displaying a, a powerful sign, he, he does something quite different. He says that his goodness will pass in front of Moses. Moses can only really see an afterglow of the glory of the Lord, the glory of his presence, if you like. And the most surprising thing really is that the Lord, he doesn't show a sign and wonder in this, but he shows his presence by the proclamation of his name. He shows, it says in verse 19, I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Just as he did with Moses in the burning bush episode, I am who I am, so he does here again, proclaiming his name. Because to display the glory of the Lord is to proclaim his name. And what is his name? Well, as the Lord says, he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy and compassion on whom he will have compassion. God is merciful. He is merciful to a sinful and rebellious people. And in the context, the Lord has saved his people out of slavery in Egypt, not because, not because they merited it, They just built a golden calf. Not because they were better than any other nation. 
but because the Lord is merciful. And that's really summarized in chapter 34 and verse 5 and 6, as the Lord passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, as the Lord proclaims this, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children to, and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And this is really how a holy God can live amongst a sinful people a stiff-necked and rebellious people because of his character, because he is merciful, gracious, faithful, loving, and forgiving. Because he is those things, he can live amongst a sinful people. Therefore, he can bear with those who turn from him, who turn away from him. Because, as we've seen from much of the Gentle and Lowly series recently, the Lord, he doesn't just put up with us. No, he loves us. His heart extends to us because he is gracious and compassionate and his heart goes towards us. He loves those who trust in him. To those who come to him in Christ. And yet, and yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. The law was given through Moses, which actually revealed our sin. It, it revealed the fact that we are lawbreakers. But grace and truth has come through Jesus. As it says in the Gospel of John 1, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The truth of our sin was recognized and accounted for in full so that we could know joy and peace and God's grace in Christ today. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord towards us, for those who believe, is only gracious, compassionate, loving, faithful, forgiving, merciful towards us because of Christ. Because This is God's grace to us. We don't deserve anything, but he gives us everything because of Jesus. And God's grace should lead us to be a transformed people. So we see God's glory in transformation of us. As Moses comes down the mountain in chapter 34, we see that his prayer has been answered. We see that the Lord, uh, as he asked him, he said, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may continue to find favor in your eyes. And the chiseling out of the Ten Commandments, or ten words, shows that he has revealed the covenant and has found favor with the Lord. As we look to Moses, uh, we see that the Israelites, well, they were fearful of coming close to him because his face was radiant, his face beamed with the glory of God. As it mentions in verse 29 and repeated throughout, his face was radiant because he'd spoken with the Lord. It was his meeting with the Lord that made his face shine. Because by meeting with him and looking at him, Moses is transformed. 
And this really is true of us today also. As what we look at will transform us. What we stare into will change us. Now, the obvious example at the moment is what we look at on screen, either on our phones or tablets or computers or our TVs. Whatever we look at will transform us. And these could be good things, good things in in and of themselves, harmless things like Instagram or Facebook or general media online. But if we're staring into them, thinking, well, thinking really who we're not and what we don't have as we compare ourselves with others, well, that will start to change us. That will start to transform us. We will grow more and more insecure of who we are not and be transformed into that, a poorer version of who God has made us to be, rather than being a child of our Heavenly Father who worships the king, we become a slave, a slave to what others think, a slave to what others think that we should be. And maybe there's the other thing online as well, isn't there? There's the thing that we know we shouldn't be looking at, but we do anyway. I'm speaking about pornography. The world may see it as harmless. Now, there's no, there's no big deal in it, they may say. It's just a bit of fun. But we need to see it the way that the Lord sees it. And the Lord sees it as wicked. It's wicked because it abuses the vulnerable. And it makes money out of them as they sell their souls to Satan in the process. But it's also also idolatry. Idolatry because as we look up these images, we are being transformed into a lifeless idol as well. We're being transformed from being a child who worships the Lord to a slave, a slave to sin who worships an idol. Brother, sister, if you are watching pornography, you need to turn from it. You need to see see it for what it is. Wicked and idolatrous. Jesus died to set you free from sin, not to live in it. He died to set you free and therefore be a child, a free child of God in the light of what he's done for you. Confess it to the Lord and turn to Christ who transforms us from who we were to who we are as a new creation in Christ. The the issue really that the Israelites had was the same issue that, that we have today, sin. It brings a barrier down between a holy God and us. Because in the law, really the people and us today, we can only really see our sin and therefore the people stood at a distance and so do we. But now because of what Jesus has done in forgiving us of all, of all of our sin, we can draw close to God. As the Apostle Paul speaks about it in 2 Corinthians, he speaks about the episode of Moses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, he speaks of what we enjoy now with Jesus 
as he removes the veil from our eyes. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Israelites could only really look into the law and see how far they fell short of the glory of God. And we look into our Lord Jesus Christ and see what he has done for us in the cross so that we can live lives which are transformed in what he has done for us. We can be transformed day by day. And now we see the glory of God who transforms us. Jesus transforms us. As we open our Bibles ourselves, the Lord speaks to us. As we listen to sermons, we hear God's voice speaking into our hearts. As we meditate on Scripture, our affections become become changed. We start to love the Lord more. As we come to God in prayer, we are being transformed as his spirit works in our hearts that our love for him might grow and deepen every day. And it's not driven by some kind of moral effort or fear of judgment, but our lives are being transformed as we see the glory of God in Christ, in the gospel of what he has done for us. Because the good news of the gospel is that God has created us to be most happy in him. The very thing that we could not do ourselves, God has done for us. By by coming from heaven, Jesus draws close to us and he saves us from looking at ourselves to looking at our saviour. Because when we meet with Jesus, his light shines out of us. It beams out of us. As it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And now we carry the light of Christ around with us with the joy of Jesus beaming from our faces. The joy of Jesus beaming from our faces. It beams from us as we would seek to make much of Jesus, that we would seek to glorify him in our lives, in our words, in our thoughts, in our meditations, as we delight in him, that we would bring glory to him. And so as we think about that, as we reflect on these two things, let us think about, as we look into the face of Christ and the face of of him in scripture, let us be transformed into his image. And as a result of that, as our affections are changed, let that light shine with the glory of God as we speak of the hope we have in Jesus. Two things to reflect upon. Let me just leave 10, 15 seconds as we apply these truths to our lives, as we meditate on this, and then I'll close in prayer. As Moses said, show me your glory. 
Today we can see your glory in the face of Christ. Father God, we thank you for the fact that your glory now shines out of us, that you have given us your spirit, and he beams the glory of God in our lives. And so, Father, help us to be transformed, help us to be changed, a people who love you more than anything, more than anyone. Help us, Lord, to love you with all of our hearts, that we might be a people who are transformed for your name, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we declare this morning, God's glory is not just um, an abstract concept. It's something we can see in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, something we can see also in the transformed lives of his people. Uh, and if you've seen that in someone else and um, want that for yourself, uh, then please do contact us and have a word with us. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Uh, there's something that Colin said this morning that you're struggling with if you are already a Christian. Uh, again, do please come and talk to us about that. And let's pray that the Spirit will continue to transform us more and more into the likeness of Christ as we focus on him. And as we go into this week, let's pray that that would be the case. If you're able to join us for, for coffee now on Zoom, it would be great to, to catch up with you. But let me close again with probably these words from 2 Corinthians 3, which Colin mentioned earlier on. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen.